together as the people of the Lord. We're serving Him with gladness and we sing to Him with joy. We know the Lord is good.
If you're troubled, heavy hearted, come to Jesus and find your peace. If you're run down, empty handed, come to Jesus and find your strength. He is hope for the hopeless, rest for the weary, help for the hurting. He is, He is, mending the broken, bearing the burdens, all that you need. You guys remember last week, Pastor Mike? pointed us to the questions that Jesus asked in the scripture. It is a great study. Here's one. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? It's a great question for us to ask in our time, in our society. And then he goes down a little further and Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I am? Let's let that question wash over us as we continue to sing here. If you're wandering in the darkness, come to Jesus and find your way. If you want freedom, need forgiveness, just come to Jesus and find His grace. He is hope for the hopeless, rest for the weary, help for the hurting. He is, He is mending the broken, bearing the burdens, all that you need. Comforter, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Author and Maker of everything, Defender, Deliverer, King of Kings, He is, He is, Helper and Healer forevermore, Savior and Shelter through every storm, My Refuge, Redeemer and Lord of Lords, He is, He is, Child heaven and son of man provider protector the great i am alpha omega beginning and end he is he is hope for the hopeless rest for the weary help for the hurting Bearing the burdens, all that you're needing, He is. All that you're needing, He is. You may be seated this morning.
Well, good morning. I don't know how many of the rest of you guys are looking forward to summer coming. Anyone else? I, I got, I call this my optimistic wardrobe. That's, it's coming eventually. Uh, but that also leads to one of the other fun summer activities we get to do around here. And that is our church has a co-ed softball team that plays every summer. And so I'm just coming up here to let you guys know about that. Uh, we play generally on Monday nights throughout the summer. We start kind of mid-May, and it goes to the end of July, early August, kind of depending on the weather and how many rainouts we get. Uh, but it is an excellent opportunity, if you have any interest in doing that, to get out there and play, have some fun. I mean, you know, we've got Joe and Max and Connor and these guys on our team. You can't have, you can't get out there without having fun with those guys. It has to happen. And so... Uh, it is a great time just to get to know people in our church. If, even if you don't want to play, you come out and cheer us on and be a part of that. It's a great time. It is, not only is it a chance to kind of, you know, relive your glory days a little bit, you know, for those of us who used to be ball players and, yeah. But it's also, we really view this as an outreach opportunity. Uh, we had, just a month or two ago, we had a, a, some Folks who used to go to our church, Aaron and Cassie Griffith, got a hold of us. They moved up to Montana. And he said, uh, Aaron reached out and said, hey, we have this lady that played on our softball team a few years ago. She's going through cancer treatment. She doesn't have any family around in town anymore. She is moving back to, I forget where she was going. Max, where was she going? Alabama, Georgia, somewhere, yeah, and needs help packing up her U-Haul truck. She doesn't know anyone else. She doesn't really have anyone around here, but she played softball with you guys a couple years ago. We grabbed uh, oh, Timmy and Jay and, and some of these guys, and we went and helped load up her U-Haul truck. She's part of our family, our softball family. Uh, we had, I mentioned last service, we have a, a lady who played with us for a couple of years, and when she started playing, man, she wasn't going to church anywhere, and uh, she kind of got tied in with us, and her daughter lost her unborn baby, and she didn't have a church background, but she had gotten to know us. She would gotten to know uh, Max and Lynn, and their first call when they found out that they had lost this baby was to Pastor Max. And a few of us managed to get some time off work and go to the funeral for her. And we ended up with more people from our softball team at this funeral than she had co-workers there. And that's kind of what we really want this to be. We want to get out there. We want to have some fun playing with this. Uh, but this is also a chance to, uh, to really get to be a part of our church family. If you have any interest in playing on this, you have to be at least 15 years old. And it is through the uh, Casper Rec Department, so we have to go through all their rules and requirements. But if you have any interest in joining us, just learning more about it, if you have any, uh, any desire to rekindle those glory days, uh, let me know. And uh, I know it came out on Facebook in, in the church email with my phone number. You can get a hold of me. My name is Sean Watts. Or you can talk to Max, or you can talk to Joe, or you can talk to... I don't know, a few other people here that uh, play with this generally. But if you have any interest, let me know, and uh, we'll get you signed up on that. Thanks. Darkness. 
Good. Evil. Truth. Lies. We are engaged in an epic battle between two spiritual kingdoms for the hearts and minds of our youth. Every day our kids are bombarded with lies about who they are, who their creator is, what is right, and where their salvation comes from. But we are not meant to fight this battle alone. God, the ruler of the good kingdom, has given his kingdom keepers spiritual armor to wear. With this VBS, your kids will learn how they can be a part of God's kingdom through salvation in his son. And they will be equipped with the armor of God as they train to become keepers of the kingdom who stand strong in today's battle for truth. Huzzah! Good morrow to ye all. Our kingdom has been at war for many millennia. Henceforth, we are in search of new recruits. Thus, tis our duty to acquire and train new recruits. The hour draweth nigh for VBS, and alas, we require more knights and fair maidens to assist with this quest of teaching this season. I, Sir Tim, from the House of Dugan, and Lady Michelle of the House of Bolin, Asketh of thee to pray to the Lord our God to consider assisting us in our crusade of teaching these children this season. Those willing, we have a recruitment station in yonder hall. Grimacy, farewell, I must away. This year, it'll be awesome. Uh, God is good. Let's pray for our VBS today and pray that God will use our church to uh, reach children for the Lord. And I know he is. God's at work. And we're just blessed to be a part of that. Let's pray together. Father, today, as we focus on Vacation Bible School, I pray that you would raise up an army of, of workers, uh, teachers, uh, people to love these kids for you, and I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to reach into the lives of these children, to teach them truth rather than uh, more lies. Uh, your, your word is truth, and we know, that, we know that your word transforms lives. May we just be a part of this VBS this year. Thank you for all those who have signed up and want to be a part of it. And we just pray that uh, you would get all the glory. Father, be with Pastor Mike as he brings a message today. Help our hearts to be attentive to your word. And uh, we're thankful also for our offering this morning. May you get all the glory, Lord. You're an amazing God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mannion, come forward. My waking breath 
for my daily bread. I depend on you. I depend on you for the sun to rise for my sleep and I depend on you, I depend on you, you're the way, the truth, and the life, you're the well that never runs dry, I'm the branch and you are the vine, draw me close and teach me to stand and sing together where the spirit leads as I'm following I depend on you I depend on you for the victories still in I depend on you, I depend on you, you're the way, the truth, and the life, you're the well that never runs dry, I'm the branch and you are the vine, draw me close and teach me to but be my strength, my song in the night. Be my all, my treasure, my prize. I'm yours forever, you're mine. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Jesus was preaching hard, and at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked them a question are you also going to leave Simon Peter replied Lord to whom would we go you have the words that give eternal life we believe and we know you are the holy one of God when I pass through death as I enter rest I my pride. 
Let's look at another question of Jesus this morning. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and this is in the middle of a storm, a raging storm. And the disciples woke him and said to him, they get asked Jesus a question, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith?
Jesus, we trust in you. 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 Let's personalize it. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you, God. You are the strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. You are the joy of my life. You are my song in the night. There is no one that's true. Jesus, I trust in you. My heart is overwhelmed. I will look to you alone. Maybe seated. All right, time for the kids to go to Super Church, third grade and under. And good morning to the rest of you. Take your Bibles and turn over to Matthew chapter 22 with me this morning. Man, we jumped back into Matthew last week and we jumped back into this intense time. As Christ is coming to Jerusalem, he's days, literally a week away, less than a week away from going to the cross. And and he is not in any way backing down. I mean, he is not in any way kind of softening this truth that he's the Savior. Because quite honestly... Right, he's, he's there, he's among them, he's among these people, he's among his people, he's among the Israelites, the chosen ones of God, and so many of them have rejected him, refused to know him, don't want to have anything to do with him. It's, a, it's an intense situation, honestly, especially as he draws near to the cross, and, and you know, Jesus has has really kind of, I would say, confronted these people already in a couple different ways. We read about him riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. It was prophesied that that would happen. It's about the Messiah. There's not really any doubt about that. People are shouting along the way, Hosanna in the highest, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And they're, they're literally saying, save us, save us now. And they're recognizing who he is and they're worshiping him. And man, the people in Jerusalem, in particular the religious leaders, hated it. I mean, they just hated it. He went in the next day and drove out the, the money changers and those that were selling animals in the, in the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles were called to come and worship God and pray. And he tells them as he dumps over the tables and drives these guys out, he says, you know, my father's house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And they hated it. I mean, I I know, we talked about this, I know so many of us don't want a confrontational Jesus. 
So many of us want to have a Jesus who didn't say hard things, who didn't bring out sin, and who didn't demand you know, rep- righteousness and repentance. I, I know we want that because that's certainly way easier on us, right? If God has no demands of us, if no expectations, if he doesn't confront people, then we don't have to confront people. If he doesn't set people on edge, we don't have to set people on edge. And so we love this this nonsensical Jesus. It's not true. It's not true of who he was. Is he loving? Absolutely. Is he terrifying? You better believe it. He's God. And so they come to him, and we looked at this last week, they come to him, the religious leaders, and they say to him, well, who, by what authority you're doing these things, and who gave you the authority? And, and we talked about this, how confronting God is a kind of a bad idea. It's a really bad idea because from that point forward, Jesus begins to speak and we don't hear them speak again for a while. You know, he confronted them right away by saying, I'll tell you what, I'll answer that question for you if you tell me by, by John's baptism, who is it from, heaven or from men? And he put them right on the spot. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, everybody knew that, that John was a prophet of God except them, and they rejected him and would not believe his message, and so they wouldn't answer the question. So they proved themselves to be hypocrites. And then he tells a story about the two sons that father comes to and says, son one, go work in the vineyard. Son said, nope, won't do it, but later on changed his mind and went and worked. Son two, he says, go work in the vineyard. Son says, sure, we'll do it, but never goes. And Jesus goes, which one? Did the will of the father. And he was pointing out very clearly that the religious leaders in particular said, sure, we'll follow God, but they didn't and wouldn't. The second son that didn't do the will of God. And then he told the parable about the, the vine grower, the landowner that, that rented out his vineyard after preparing it. And, and when time came for harvest, he sent his servants to the guys to give him his share of the crop that like would have been agreed upon between them and how they mistreated the servants and beat them and and ultimately killed some from the next group. And finally, the, the landowner says, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect him. But no, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him too, thinking they were then going to take the, the inheritance from the son. And Jesus is ramping it up because he's talking about them. And he says, the, father, or the landowner is going to come and destroy those wicked men, Right? I mean, Jesus is ramping it up, and he's going to continue to ramp it up because, quite honestly, you know, here's this critical issue. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? It's critical to every single person in here. It's critical. It was critical in those days. It's critical throughout the world. Who is Jesus Christ, and, and what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? And, and quite honestly... So many in the world, and and here's the scary part, so many in the church, they don't, they don't look at Jesus as who he is. We don't really always want to know who Jesus is. We don't want to be accountable to Jesus. I mean, quite honestly, for many of us, including me, one of the greatest stumbling blocks to our relationship with God is simply pride. Pride, this false claim of glory, personal glory, 
This false claim of personal righteousness, personal wisdom, personal whatever, this false claim of pride that causes us to push God aside, far aside. And then God is not going to tolerate it. He's not going to tolerate it. He's not going to let it alone. He's not going to stop addressing it. He's going to deal with it. And I hope that we will deal with it sooner. I hope that you will, with me, pray for God to make us humble, personally and as a church, deeply humble, that we might honor God with our lives. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thankful for your word today. I am thankful, Lord, that as we read through the book of Matthew, that you address the issues that we must address in our lives. You don't let us skirt around any subject. You don't sugarcoat these these things that we might mistakenly look at you and, and see you through false eyes or tempered glass. Lord, you've called us to see you as you are. You've called us to see you as the great and glorious God. And you are worthy of praise, not because of what you've done for us, but because of who you are. May we never forget that you alone are king, the most high God, the only God, the creator, maker, and sustainer of the universe. And you have created each one of us in your image. May we never forget And as we look into your word today, I pray that, Father, you would call us to truth, to those who are lost, that today they would be born again, saved through faith in Jesus Christ, to those who are pretending, Lord God. Even, I think, if they don't know they're pretending, I pray that you'd show them that what they need is true faith in Jesus Christ and nothing less. And, Lord, for those of us that know you, Lord, remind us. We're in a relationship with the Lord God Almighty 
and it's not casual. So bless us, we pray, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So this parable, like many, start with this very important phrase in verse 2, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And I, I love that because you want to talk about the kingdom of heaven, right? Most of the time we think about heaven being where God is, but the kingdom of heaven comes like this. The kingdom of heaven is how it works with God reigning and ruling in our lives today. And so he's, he's talking about how this kingdom of heaven looks and is played out among us as we live life today. And that's a little tougher because, man, many of us don't want to deal with God today. It's just so true. I mean, living in a relationship with God today is a very powerful thing. It is life-changing. It's not designed to be kind of an on and off again, kind of a hit and miss type of thing. It's not kind of this hot and cold type of thing. This relationship that we have with the living God is to absolutely impact every aspect of our life, every thought that we think, every word that we say, every deed that we do. It is to be the center of our home. It is to be the center of our work life. Our relationship with God is to be central to who we are because he's God. And so Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of heaven is like. It's compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And, and I, I want you to know that a wedding feast is, is a pretty, pretty interesting little concept in Scripture. Let me read a couple of verses because I want you to see this early on. In Revelation 19, 7 through 9, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. And I, I love that. This is a picture. This is toward the end of Revelation. This is toward the end of God finishing the world, if you will. And he talks about this marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's literally the supper of, uh, where Christ invites the church to have fellowship with him, to sit down, to celebrate what he's done, to be the focal point, if you will, to invite us, right, to his wedding feast where we get to have fellowship with him and him with us and he gets the glory and we honor him and love him and worship him. It's fantastic. But it's only for the church. Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 16, it says, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he's talking about the same thing. Right? The celebration of the the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven is going to be this celebration of his death. The blood that he was shed and the body that was broken for the salvation of the world. And it's going to be fantastic. And so it's an interesting parallel that Jesus gives us in, in chapter 22 that it's like this king. <laughs> Who's the king? That's right, God is the king. Who's the son? That's right, Jesus is the son. And so as we walk through this, it's like this, right? And so it says in verse 3, And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Now, 
This is not an unusual thing. It would have been very normal. When somebody got married, they all had feasts. But it wasn't normal that the king's son was getting married. And it wasn't normal that you got invited by the king to come to his feast. It was incredible to be invited. But he has already invited some people. If you want to apply this to the way this works in modern day, it would have been to Israel, right? He had invited his children, God's people, that he would chosen through Abraham to be his people. He, he had invited them. And so he sends his servants out. And the servants basically say, you've been invited. Now come to the feast, right? The expectation of the king is that they would come. The expectation of the king is that if I invite you, I'm your king. I reign and rule over you. You don't reign and rule over me. I reign and rule over you. And there's not even a question about the position of king. It says, but they were unwilling. Now that, that should be shocking to us. And yet, unfortunately, today, that's not very shocking to us. Unfortunately, today, and all I know is America, is that many, many, many American Christians don't find God reigning and ruling over their life to be that important to them. For many of us, we don't really care what God wants. To many of us, we don't really have any sense of loyalty or obligation or submission to God. Most of the time, we honestly live our lives the way we want to live our lives, and we only deal with God when we want God to help us do what we're doing in our lives. Isn't that true? So then, if that's true, who is the king? Who is the king in that relationship? Anyway... And so it says that they were unwilling, shocking. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. And so he sends out the slaves again to those who have been invited. And and he begins his approach to them through his messengers like this. Guys, everything's ready. All of the good stuff, all of the cattle that need to be prepared, all of the livestock that need to be prepared, all of the blessings that I have prepared for you to participate in, all of the things for you to come and honor my son and honor me, all of the ways that have been necessary for you to come and to have fellowship with me, the king, and with my son, the prince, all of those things have been, have been done. You want to come. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come? This is going to be a feast. This is going to be the king providing all these blessed things for you, all these joyful things, including the most joyful thing, time with the king, time in his presence, time in his home, time where you can visit with him and talk to him and he can get to know you and you can have a relationship with him. You should consider that to be the most glorious thing in your life. You should be honored to be invited by the king. That's what he's telling them. It's ready. All that I have for you, it's ready. It's right here. Just come. 
But man, he's not just begging though. Because the last phrase in verse four says, come to the wedding feast. You're my servants. You go tell those invited. I've got blessings for you. But I'm telling you, come. Now I know I've heard this a thousand times if I've heard it once. That the fact that God would be so audacious to command us to do things is highly offensive to many of us. Isn't it? Because no one should have the audacity to command us to do anything. Isn't that right? I mean, after all, we are Wyomingites, right? Don't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want to. I could care less about what you want. Isn't that, isn't that a little bit Wyoming? Isn't that a little bit U.S.? Isn't that a little bit everywhere? Listen, man, we're a rebellious people. We don't want to admit that we're rebellious because we want to say we're, you know, these great guys, but the king wasn't playing. And I want you to know he's not playing now. He's not playing. We play with him, expecting him to play back with us. He's not playing. These guys are told You've been invited, now come to the wedding. And they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm and another to his business. They paid no attention to the king? Can you apply that to yourself? Will you please ask yourself, do I pay attention to the king? Do I have any intention to pay attention to the king? Will you ask yourself, if you refuse to pay attention to the king, do you think the king is going to be honored by that? If you refuse to pay attention to the king, do you think the king is going to ignore that? If you refuse to pay attention to the king, do you think you're going to live your life without consequences from the king? I mean, do we really believe when the king gives us a command that we say no because we are proud, independent, arrogant people? Do you think there'll be no judgment from the king? I mean, we think this way because we do the same thing. We go, well, I got a farm to take care of. I'm going to go handle that, king. Surely you'll understand I'm more important than you. I got a business to run, king. I got to make money to take care of myself. Surely you'll understand I'm more important than you. Is that not a struggle for anybody but me? So we had Secret Church Friday night. And uh, Secret Church, if you've ever been there, is intense. And it's super long. And somehow Pastor Max expects us to stay up till midnight, one o'clock. 
And it's not Pastor Max. They do this on purpose, right? Secret church. They do this to remember the, the persecuted church around the world who can't just meet like this like we can. So they do it late. And they do it so that we'll remember how hard it is for people to meet together in certain countries. Like we talked about Iran, a country where you'll die if you live for Christ outwardly. They'll kill you. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, when we first started talking about it, I was like, yeah, I love to do secret church. But as it got closer, I kept thinking to myself, man, it's hard to stay up that late. I, I won't lie. It's hard. It's quite the sacrifice. I really do have things to do. I'm going to not have as much energy on Saturday. I'm going to need to be working on my sermon and getting things done. And so, you know, it'd be just as easy to stay home. And I'm actually thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll say to Max, I'm not coming this year, you know, whatever pathetic excuse I would give him wouldn't be enough. But I didn't have to speak to Max because, I mean, I'm actually praying about it. And the Lord's like, this is just ridiculous. This is ridiculous. They're even considering this. I mean, I love to study the word. I do. I love it. I, I have never grown tired of the word. And so as I'm praying with the Lord, he's like, you love to let the word speak to you. Why would you not want it? Why would you not want that in your life? And surely you can trust me, can't you? To give up that kind of time in your life. I mean, it wasn't so easy for me. I got up early. I rode with one of the officers for, you know, about four, four and a half hours and didn't get a nap that afternoon for whatever crazy reason. And so I was tired. There's no question about that. But the Lord's like, that's just ridiculous, Mike. Just let it be. Follow me. And I'm not saying you all had to be there. I'm not saying that. But for me, that's the way it was. And I I said something to Beth. I said, Beth, are you going to secret church and she's like well I'm like well Beth you going to secret church and <laughs> and I, I don't do that all the, all the time because Beth has a walk with Christ but I also knew that what God was doing in my life I needed to help her do in her life right which is to hear and to submit and to just go and obey but it's not always easy I'm not standing up here telling you that that sometimes we don't go, I'm too busy. And sometimes I don't go, my priorities are too big for you, Lord God. What I am telling you is that is offensive. That is offensive to God. It's not okay. It's never going to be okay. It has never been okay for you and I to disregard the word of God, to disregard the king. It has never been okay for you and I to go to our farm when God says, come to my wedding feast, for us to go to our business when God says, come to my feast. It's never been okay, and it's never going to be okay. Matter of fact, listen to what happens. Not only did they ignore him, disregard him, go someplace else, but the rest of them seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. He's talking about those that God had sent, the prophets that God had sent, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, etc. Those guys that he had sent, they killed them, they disregarded them, they mistreated them, they would not listen to God's call to come to him, right? They wouldn't. 
Man, they, want, they disregard the pastors and the teachers and those who share the word of God today. They don't want to hear that stuff. They just blow that stuff off because we don't want to hear. And it is offensive to the king. And how do I know it's offensive to the king? Because this is how he responded. It says, and the king was enraged. He sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. He's talking to a group of people that he's teaching in Jerusalem. He's talking to the religious leaders who are questioning his authority, though he's God in the flesh. He's talking to these people who should know him. He's talking to these people who at least know about him through the scriptures. He's not talking about to people that don't have the chance to, to know that he has done miracle after miracle. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's made the blind to see. He's made the lame to walk. He's made the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. He's calmed the waters with a word. I mean, he's the Lord God Almighty, and he's standing right before them, and they can see him. But they are not regarding him. Who would that be today? Who would he be talking to today? Oh, that's right. Us. He'd be talking to us. Sometimes we think that this message must be for somebody else. But this message is for us who should know him who should not only know him, but who should love him, who when he calls and invites us into relationship with him, we go, hallelujah. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Thank you for inviting us to walk with you. Thank you for inviting us to get to know you. Thank you for inviting us not mm, too busy, and quit telling me anything. He's not going to play with us. He's not casual. Quite honestly, that, that attitude that says, I don't really care about you because I'm so great myself, is prevalent in our society. Oh, I offended you with my words? Sorry, man, get over it. Oh, I, I didn't help you when I could. Sorry, man, get over it. Oh, I, whatever. The prevalency comes from the fact that we're proud. The prevalency comes from the fact that we consider ourselves far more important than anybody else. And that bleeds into our relationship with God. And we honestly somehow convince ourselves that we are far more important than God is. And we think God's going to be okay with that. Oh, okay, you tiny little speck. You tiny little speck that I made in my image for my glory and for your good, you're going to treat me like I'm nothing? And you think God is going to go, oh, honey. He's not. He's not. He's not a casual God. He's a holy God. And he is the only king. He is the only king You and I are not king. We are not queens, ladies. We were made to worship and obey him. 
And when we do, it brings us into his wedding feast. Right? What's amazing about him is that he wasn't so offended by this group that disregarded him and killed his servants. So offended that he would never offer again. That's amazing to me because, man, if you offend me to that level, I have to fight hard not to just shut everything else out of my life and keep loving other people. Isn't it true? It's hard to get that offended and then still love. But it's not with our God. Thankfully so. Because it says in verse 8, then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all. They found both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. I love that. I have made blessings available to those I invite. Those that I invited initially weren't worthy. They weren't worthy. And quite honestly, you and I would think that's opposite because the king invited them. They were actually his, chosen through Abraham. So he invited them to come to him. And you would think, well, they are his special people. And of course, Israel's very special to God, still are today. The Jews are very special to God, and he loves them. There's going to be a time where he brings them back to him. But at that time, they had rejected him. And so he tells us they weren't worthy. So he says, go to the main highways. We're going to find the most people. I want you to bring them to the wedding feast. And it says they brought both evil and good. Isn't that interesting? I mean, have you ever thought about your determination of evil and good? Do you have a level of evil and good? Because apparently people do. Because were any of these people actually good compared to God? No. The Jews certainly weren't because they rejected Christ. But even out on the highways and byways of life, there was obviously people that thought they were good, people that thought others were evil. But did you notice that the king didn't make a determination? He didn't make a determination. He said, just bring them all. You ever thought about why? Why would he do that? Because, you know, we decide who's evil murderers, evil, should never be brought in the kingdom of heaven, right? Rapists, child molesters, liars, cheaters, thieves, gossips. Oh no, sorry. Can't be evil because we all are. Coveters. Oh, that's right. No, can't be evil. And I'm pretty sure that God said, I want people, the king said, I want people, they're my people, the good ones, the evil ones, they're my people, I want them to come to my feast, 
I have blessings for my people. Bring them all. Anybody say hallelujah? I mean, how do you speak about such things when you know, when you know you're a sinner? How do you speak about such things? I mean, I got on my knees this morning and said, Lord, I'm nothing but a sinner. I mean, I know there's actually people that look me in the eye and go, I'm the good one. They actually tell me that. I'm good. I'm not bad. I don't do bad things. I don't say bad things. I don't think bad. I'm good. And it's not true. Maybe you have some good things that you do in your life, but compared to God, we are sinners. It was by the grace of God that he compelled people to share Christ in our lives with us when we were lost. And he drew us to him. And he brings us in because he's so gracious and he's so merciful and he's so loving. We're Gentiles. We weren't first-tier invitation. Do you know that? We weren't first-tier invitation. It was after the invitation of the Jews who rejected Christ that he really expanded this gift that he had already planned for the Gentiles. The Jews could have come and he still would have come for the Gentiles. But they were first. And I'm thankful that he brought the evil. Sin's evil. I don't care what sin it is. I don't care if it's coveting. I don't care if it's gossip. I don't care if it's pride that we justify because people are idiots around us. Amen? Don't amen me. I'm that idiot. So are you. Be careful. Man, he brings them in. And the dinner hall is full of guests. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants a hall full of guests that he has invited, that he can minister to, that he can bless, that can know him and honor him and love him, that can know his son and honor him and love him, that can have fellowship with him. That's what he wants. That's what the king wants. That's what he's been doing throughout creation is bringing men and women and boys and girls to him. That's what he wants. That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what it is. That's what he wants because he loves us. And the wedding hall is full and the king comes in. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The king comes in. He's not there to be disconnected from them. He's there to fellowship with them. He comes in. But he immediately sees a man who's not dressed in wedding clothes. He says to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man is speechless. And scholars debate about this. It's, a, it's an interesting little twist in this parable. As you're thinking to yourself, why is this guy there? 
Surely he had to be invited. Why is he there? And why doesn't he have on wedding clothes? And some scholars say that all the wedding clothes came from the king. And if that's true, he would have had to work his way in somehow, deceive somebody, get in there without permission because he should have had the celebratory clothes on, whatever those were. Some people say the king didn't give the clothes, but people had wedding clothes because if you were going to a poor man's wedding, you still wore wedding clothes. So some people say he just chose not to wear the wedding clothes. I don't really know. I don't know which one it is. I just know this. If you're going to come at the invitation of the king, you still have to come according to his way. And the king said, you've got to have on wedding clothes in order to come. And this guy, when he was confronted by the king, was speechless. Now again, the picture would be of people. They know the truth about Jesus. They know salvation comes only from Jesus Christ. They know. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. They know. But instead of regarding him instead of humbling themselves instead of saying yes lord my faith is in you my faith is not in my righteousness my faith is not in my good works my faith is not being a baptist or being baptized or whatever you want to say your faith is in my faith is only in christ they try to sneak in thinking god will accept them anyway they come but it's not true He says to his servants, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he's talking about judgment. And here's this picture of our Savior. Our Savior. The one that most of us consider to be milk toast. The one that most of us treat like he's an old grandpa somewhere. The one, of us, the one that we treat as if he would never, ever bring judgment, who would never, ever condemn, who would never, ever speak hard words, who would never, ever get offended by our sin. We actually treat Christ and God the Father like that, like there's never going to be an offense. And quite honestly, we are some of the weakest-minded people in the world today because we think that if anybody offends us, we're just crumbled and ruined and they should never offend us. And yet we so readily offend our God. He's not casual. He's not casual. As much as you want him to be as much as maybe you'll stand before him on the judgment day and go, oh, aren't you gentle and sweet and kind? And he's going to say, I am. I invited you. I invited you. I invited you. I sent my servants. They told you the wedding feast was ready. I invited you. I sent them back to you. Again and again, you had no regard for them, and you had no regard for me. You had no regard for my son. I invited you. Matter of fact, verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. And I know the word chosen always brings up a little bit of discussion. But you know who the chosen were? 
the ones who came to the banquet. We'll leave it at that. Everybody was called, but only the ones that came through Christ, his way, put on the robes to celebrate the great king and his son, the robes of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus alone, only they, chosen. Everyone else, invited. Everyone else invited, but did not come into the blessings that the king had prepared for them. So what do we say at the end of this? Come when you are invited. Come when you're invited. Don't ignore the king. Don't pridefully reject the king. Don't arrogantly do your own thing apart from the king. Be thankful he invited you. Be thankful for the feast that he has for you. Be thankful for the desire he has to have a relationship with you. Be thankful for that. Come when you're invited. Stop resisting him. Stop stop ignoring him. Stop telling yourself that you don't have to bow before the king. He wants you. And when you bow before him, he blesses you. If you ignore him, you reject him, and you rebel against him, judgment is certain. It is undeniable. You'll stand before him, and he will condemn you, and there will be no salvation for you. Come, come to him. He's inviting you. Believe in Jesus Christ. Know he died for your sins. Know he rose on the third day and trust him and enter in to the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. As hard as it that you us who For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful for you, Lord. And I pray for those that have never trusted Christ that as you have made the invitation clear today to come to the wedding feast of the Son of the Lamb, that, Lord, they can come today They've been invited. I pray they'll come and believe in Jesus. I pray they'll come and be born again. I pray you'll give life to every man and woman and boy and girl in this place. I'm thankful for your goodness and your grace. I'm thankful for the invitation you've given even to the evil to come. May you be glorified as we respond to you today. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. Our pastors will be down front here. We'd love to visit with you or answer questions for you. All my life long I had panted for a drink from some cool spring. 
Have a seat for just a second, please. You guys come on up here. This is Sean and Rachel and Eileen. Eileen? Eileen. Gosh, it's so hard to get old. Eileen. Sorry, sweetie. Anyway, <laughs> they've, uh, they've been coming to College Heights for a while, and they've come today to say they, they're ready. They want to be members. They... They've already been saved, baptized, but they, they believe this is where God's put them. And so, yeah, yeah, we should be excited about that. And um, they shared with me they're also going to be taking into a 14-year-old foster child here soon. And so you can pray about that. Pray for them as they step into that. And God will give them wisdom and grace and see them through. But, uh, you know, we were blessed this morning um, to have a young man saved He's been through a lot, and but he came forward this morning and, and shared that. And, you know, 
a young man with a lot of hurts and a lot of struggles and a lot of needs in his life, but I really just felt compelled to say, come forward. Tell this young man, you know, we love you. Tell this young man we'll be praying for you. I talk about that a lot as we have people join, but I'm not kidding. Do we not need to pour out our love and pour out this promise and commitment to walk with Sean and Rachel and Eileen and you know, to really understand that they're a gift from God to us as a body of Christ and that we are a gift to them as the body of Christ and, and really to open up a little bit. And I know some of you, to say I love you to some person you don't really know is pretty hard. So say it quietly. <laughs> but say it anyway. Let's, let's try to get better at that, huh? I love you if you mean it. That's powerful. So these guys are going to be up here. Why don't you come up and talk to them and introduce yourself and tell them you love them. You guys got anything you want to say? No, I just want to say thank you. And you guys have been really helping me the past four years. So. Amen. So. I'm thankful for that too, Rachel. All right, well, let's pray and then you guys come up here. Father, thank you for Sean and Rachel and Eileen. Such a blessing. Such a sweet gift. Thank you, Lord, that in some small way we've been able to help and encourage. I so much pray that we would do more, love more, encourage more. I pray, Lord God, that you would use Sean and Rachel and Eileen in our church, your church, and use us in their lives that your name might be glorified. Bless them as they raise this beautiful baby girl. Bless them as they take in this foster child. Help us all, Lord, continually be looking for ways we can impact lives in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we gather in fellowship just in a moment to let them know how much we love them and appreciate them, Lord, continue to build this fellowship based on love, on the word of God and faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. May you be honored. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.